and Jen flip a coin 6,482 times before they realize no one can see the drama on a podcast. So we deleted that episode and talked to some people who are really good at eBay. And now here are the internet's favorite podcast hosts. And I'm using the term favorite liberally. Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Hi, everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. This is Two Girls, One Podcast. Welcome. We're so happy that you're here. There's another guy here. His name is Matt. Hey, hey. Matt. Hey. Sorry, quick thing. Mm-hmm. When you said, I'm Jen, there was a bit of a question mark. When you introduced yourself, you said, I'm Jen. There was. And I, I was wondering if you weren't sure today. Listen, well, quarantine is a tough time for everyone. And mm-hmm. uh, actually the world, really. We're all really looking at our identity and who we are and what that means. And I think Jen's mm-hmm. just reflecting as well. You okay. guys, you nailed it. Thanks for yeah. being so in tune with my intonation. Uh, it probably was just a vocal tick, but yeah, there's something else <laughs> going on beneath the surface. So yeah, for sure. who are we? For Speaking sure. of identity, like Ali and I are performers. We had a show called Blogologs, a live comedy show where we used the internet as our script for many years. We then had a web series called Two Girls, One Show, where we interviewed the people behind the post and went on scripted adventures. And that has translated now into Two Girls, One Podcast with The Daily Dot and with Matt. And we on this show are looking into internet communities and phenomena that we find really interesting. And we know you will too. Today is something uh, extremely interesting and super practical, which I'm excited about, especially in the time that we're living in, uh, quarantine, pandemic, unemployment, everything. I feel like what we're covering today could be very helpful, potentially. So Ali, what's going on? Today, we're looking at flippers. The acrobatic community mm-hmm. on site. We're looking at gymnastics. No, uh, but I love that they call themselves flippers. This is, uh, I guess I would say like a more typical episode for us. We're looking at an online community. This reminds me of the sweepers, which was mm-hmm. an episode we did on uh, people who are obsessed with gaming sweepstakes online. So this is a community of people who buy junk. <laughs> Maybe it's not junk. And they flip it. <laughs> And sell it for more money. Um, it sounds fun. It sounds crafty. I'm vaguely tempted to get into it during quarantine, except it also sounds like a can of worms I don't want to open. But uh, we're going to speak to a husband-wife team who full-time buys shit on eBay and flips it. That's right. If you want to check them out, Rob and Melissa Stevenson, they do have a blog. Uh, we found them in an article in The Hustle called How a Florida Couple Flipped Their Way to a Six-Figure Income. Oh my God, I'm intrigued. I don't know if you are. Uh, <laughs> but you could also check out their blog. It's fleamarketflipper.com. And as we were discussing this show behind the scenes, Matt, you mentioned that there's some flipping going on in your household sometimes. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, what's yeah, going on? Yeah. Uh, my wife is extremely into she loves doing it uh she is incredibly plugged into all the groups and has become extremely knowledgeable about a particular niche of antiques or or housewares specifically like mid-century kitchenware so the the bowls and plates and cups and mugs that you'd find in your average middle class or upper upper middle class home in the 1950s and 1960s she loves the stuff and has then therefore become very knowledgeable about it to the point where she can go to a thrift store or a flea market or a garage sale and she can just browse the aisles and she can look at a bowl and say oh yeah that's the one and the mm-hmm. people who are selling it don't know that it's valuable and she knows it's valuable so she'll snatch it up for like a dollar 50 at a thrift store and then clean it up bring it home and when then she'll go on ebay or, or and, and other marketplaces and if she doesn't want to keep it herself, which she often does, she will flip it for literally like 10 to 20x profit. Wow. And we always say, and I'm really eager to talk to our guests today or hear from them today of like, the profit margins on the things that she flips are incredible, but the actual dollar amounts are so low. So like she buys a bowl for $2, flips it for 15 That's an insane profit margin, but you got to sell like 
a thousand bowls to make a living. So like where, at what point could someone quit their job to do this full time? And you know, you need a storage space and you got to take pictures yeah. of everything. And like, How it's a whole thing. How many things do you have to flip per month? Exactly. Uh, I guess, I guess you also do stuff that, that is a higher margin or so, I don't know. It's crazy. Well, this couple I believe is focusing on large items. Like I'm trying to remember here. It was like, hold on. I'm going to tell you, Oh, like a boom lift, uh, hmm. like big machinery equipment, or there was like, um, a collector's Harley Davidson sign. There was a street sweeper. I, I think they're doing what? like like equipment that's like niche for different things. And then also just like some big collector's items. I do really respect the eye for that. Like I wish I had an eye for that kind of stuff. Because I also have friends that are so good at just like, yeah, finding junk at a flea market, then making it look fucking awesome. And then it's this amazing piece in their apartment. totally is there a diy aspect to this is that that rob and melissa are doing of like they're actually getting hands-on and improving or modifying or are they literally finding stuff cheap and then connecting with a buyer who will pay the premium i i thought the whole idea of flipping is is sort of like house flipping where you make it nicer before you sell it again but i guess we'll see Mm mm-hmm for us, and I enjoy it too, but but my wife is like really hardcore about it. There's no, aside from polishing it up and cleaning it up, there's no um, artistic aspect to it. It is literally saying, you, you don't know what you have. I'm going to snatch it and connect to a buyer. And this, and it, the internet makes it all possible of like, you could buy a bowl from 1965 and you could have it and it could be valuable. But if you didn't have the internet, you'd never find someone to sell it to. And that's, that's what this is all about. Right. Mm-hmm. Same but different. Um, my mother has a store for many years in the town that I yeah. grew up in. And they it, it is like tr- treasures, they would call them, like things they would <laughs> find at flea markets. I remember at first we actually flipped a few items. Like I helped her refurbish something uh, and then she sold it for a very high price. And maybe that's like what she should have kept doing. But it was just so much work that she yeah. just started selling things as they were. And she still had like a pretty good margin on it, I think. So, but it was always the bigger items that were were obviously the hardest to sell but then were like the amazing like she had a bar from the 1950s that was it was mm-hmm. beautiful so yeah they were just the hardest to sell but she made a ton of money when she sold them so yeah it sounds like and this you couple, need space she needs space she, 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 she store. has a store yeah. that's right. what it's all about you can sit on a bar for you know a year and right. wait for that profit to come in you can't do that if you're just living out of an apartment or whatever absolutely i was just also thinking like context is so interesting because when people walk into a store and see those things they immediately feel more valuable if they're like presented in the right way as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're willing right. to pay so much oh, more. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Similarly, like you have to be a good photographer to present your wares on the internet. Cause if you're looking at two eBay listings and one of them is like this beautiful, you know, white abyss with a beautiful product, and other is like, here's some shit I found. It's on my couch. <laughs> you're probably gonna buy the other one and maybe pay a premium for it. So that there's a whole uh, marketing aspect, I guess, that comes yeah. into play on the internet mm-hmm. too. Yep. Yeah. All right, we gotta learn how they did it. I think we will. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming up on 2G1B. (laughs) But anyway, but I'm I'm also interested um, in how this has maybe changed during quarantine with people at home looking for things to do. It sort of seems like a fun hobby. I think you guys are right that like taking it to a career is so crazy. I have actually been doing some flipping now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I have um, been flipping socks into puppets. Are you going to sell said puppets once you're done with them? That would be so sad. No. <laughs> They're also not good enough for actual selling. <laughs> Actually, they're not bad, but it's I like... I like them. I think yeah. they're pretty snazzy. I'm having a Allie, lot of fun with my puppets. It is. A, this is a talent you never knew <laughs> you had. I'm an it. adult. I didn't know I, had, I thought I was not crafty. I think my first sock puppet turned out pretty cute. I mean... <laughs> He might get his own TV show, so... Uh-huh. No, Internet no, not, TV he's show. not getting his own... Yeah, he's getting his own digital show. Digital show. Okay. Um, four episodes have been ordered. Can you call them episodes when they're one is minute? That, is that true? This is true. This is a true story. Four one minute. Yeah. That's an episode. That's great. And then if they do well, I'm hoping they order a bunch. But when you say order, this is not like spec pilot work. This is like, we are purchasing these episodes and giving you money for them. Is that right? To yes. make them? Yes. Congratulations. Are you allowed to speak about this? I think 
so, but uh, I think so. <laughs> I'm working, yeah, because one's going live to the first one's going live today. But I'm working with Soul Pancake on their TikTok mm-hmm. channel. They're trying to do more like social good educational content. So I pitched with this guy David. Um, should give him a shout out, David Title. We pitched a sock puppet show that helps get out the vote. <laughs> So it's voting rights and suppression and whatever. And it's going to be all delivered to you by sock puppets. So we're just doing, they ordered four, I think, just to like see how it goes. And then if it goes well, it could potentially become weekly. So I hope, of course, that it does go well. Yeah, man. And then it'll become, I hope so. And then it'll become easy to churn out if once they order a bunch, you know what I mean? And I I set up Mm -hmm. a little janky green screen in my room and Mm -hmm. I've been shouting Mm -hmm. at myself in Muppet voices. That's me. Love it. So things are the same as always. Can we get a preview of the Muppet voice? Well, I thought about you, Jen, because one of my <laughs> Muppets sounds like, because Jen is a great Muppet voice for people just tuning in. But um, one of them sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Muppet voice. That's yeah. absolutely the right direction. <laughs> and then for one of them, I'm doing my little boy voice like this. That's this kind of guy. But I also think there's something fun about a film noir kind of sock puppet. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I like that. It's real serious sock puppet. So we'll see. I'm hoping to have like, you know, I mean, if it becomes a long-term thing, I'll definitely want to have, like, the main guy and then, like, different characters. And it's living on TikTok, so I think I'm making the sock, like, a TikToker. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, uh, I love the idea because so much TikTok is around dancing, but, like, the sock always tries to dance but can't because there's so many limbs. <laughs> and then, like, you know, family members and stuff will come in. But anyway, so, yeah, I'm flipping socks. Flipping socks. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly... Do you need a producer or director? Because I'm available. Um, There's not nearly enough money for you to even want to be involved, but I will keep you posted. But I I also launched another project this weekend that I do want you both involved with. And you know about this because I've spoken to both of you. We do. We do. Uh-huh. Is this the workout podcast? Yeah. Not boring workouts where we tell you to do a move and while you're doing it, we entertain you. It's such a (laughs) good concept. It's fun. Yeah. Matt's been helpful. He's given us some advice. I've been doing a lot of really timely topics and I need to do some more evergreen. But would love for you each to do an episode. (laughs) Oh, wait. If people want to find that, where do they go? Wherever you get your podcasts. It's it's a little hard to find right now, I think, just because like it has no listens or ratings. <laughs> so if you like it, please review it and rate it. And also, I would love feedback. So you can tweet me at Allie Gold, L-L-I-G-O-L-D, because we just have a couple episodes out right now. I really yeah. would love to hear feedback. But um, yeah, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we the Say ideas. the name of the show. Say it again it's so people can search. Not Boring Workouts, which shockingly was available. <laughs> like the url we have notboringworkouts.com you can find it notboringworkouts.com that's probably a better place go. to go yep well shall we get into trivia i got a good one for you Yay! i'm excited today's episode is about flippers and flipping cool finds from flea markets yard sales and such i have a pretty awesome story of an amazing flip in 2010 a couple was browsing antiques at a shop in Fresno, California. They found a shoebox full of very old photographs. Now, they wanted to buy the whole box, but they only had a few dollars. So they pulled out three photographs that they thought were interesting, and they paid $2 for them. They later learned that one of the photographs was worth $5 million. What? Who was in this incredibly rare photo? A, it was the only photograph of Mary Todd Lincoln, wife of Abraham Lincoln, who was famously suspicious of photos and cameras. That's choice A. B, it was a portrait of a long-rumored illegitimate child of Queen Victoria. That's choice B. Or C, the photo is the second of only two known photographs of the famous Western outlaw, Billy the Kid. Oh, this is good. Ooh. Which photo was bought for $2 in a Fresno flea market and now worth millions? I want to do C. Is that what what you're going to say, Jen? Yeah, but that's okay, because I feel like oftentimes I'm like, I'll do this, and then you have to diversify. So I'll be the one to diversify today. Um... (laughs) Let's go. It, which queen was it? Illegitimate child queen Victoria. of Victoria. Queen Victoria. Well, it would be 
when when was Queen Victoria living? Do we know? No Googling. No Googling. Okay, because I'm just curious like how it would have gotten to Fresno, and I'm sure it had a very long time, but did it. Uh, but also curious that a photo of Mary Todd Lincoln would be in Fresno. Uh, let's go with Mary Todd Lincoln. Okay. Jen goes with A, Mary Todd, and Allie goes with C, Billy the Kid. We will uh-huh. find out the answer after this commercial break. Hey, friends. Do you have hard-earned cash just sitting there going to waste? Just burning a hole through your pockets? Gathering dust? Anyway, you should go to patreon.com slash 2G1P and throw us some of those dollars because every bit helps and we're in a pandemic and I'm on unemployment. <laughs> and the following people's arms hurt from throwing those dollars because they've oh my God. contributed they at the $10 or more level. So we want to thank from the bottom of our hearts. Jerry Duran. Jessica Fox. Melissa Elliott. James Dozier. Christopher Latch. Kathy Phillips. And William. What is the virtual equivalent of you throwing dollar bills and me lying down naked on the floor? While the Going on Patreon and contributing fall. to your girls' like one me, podcast. Or me like being in a bathtub with like butt dollar bills. Like how, what's the virtual equivalent? I need Going to on know. Patreon and contributing to two girls one podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, great. you should explain how Patreon works if people don't know. You, you go to the website, you open up your your floppy disk drive, you fold <laughs> up the cash, and you stuff it in, and you close it, and then it shoots through the tubes. Yep. And then it goes into your bathtub, right? Sometimes it comes out yeah, in change. That's how it works. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's how it works. So, so thank, thank you all. You. We thank you. Yes, we do. someone come take this goddamn trees out of my house i am so fucking sick of looking at them they're really actually nice looking trees but i loathe them with a fiery intensity because of how long they have been sitting in my apartment being completely useless over six feet tall and fucking up my second bedroom i originally paid 150 dollars a piece $50 or best offer to whoever will come and release me from this hell. Man, this person does not yeah. sound like a good flipper. Yeah. No, it's not a good Terrible turnaround. Strategy. For, they must yeah. really hate those trees, but I get it. I get it. You know what's um, a better strategy? What's that? Finding an extremely rare image mm. of um, Billy the Kid. <laughs> Let's see if it's right. Uh, in 2010, a couple in Fresno bought a photograph, a couple photographs for $2. They are currently worth $5 million. What was in this photograph? Uh, Jan, you went with a Mary Todd Lincoln. She was f- scared of cameras, and so this is uh, the only photo of her. Yes, not to be confused with Mary Tyler Moore. Yes. Yes, no, she, she was on camera a lot, a lot yes. more. Uh, no one picked uh, the Queen Victoria's kid. And C, Allie went with the second of two known photos of the Western outlaw, Billy the Kid. Sticking with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. The correct answer is enshrined in the lyrics of this popular song. And his age and his size took the teller by surprise. And the word spread of Billy the Kid. You're good at this. Sorry. That's all yeah. I'm hey, She's on a roll. She's it. on a roll. This photo is quite amazing. Believed to have been taken in 1878. Uh, it's a tin type photograph, so almost 140 years old. Uh, it features Billy the Kid and his like band of outlaws. They were known as the regulators. They're just standing around playing a game of croquet. So it's like it's a cabin with a bunch of tiny people like in the background. And this person who bought the photograph zoomed in with a magnifying glass and said, this guy looks familiar. And it took him five years to authenticate that this is Billy the Kid. And there's literally only one other photograph of Billy the Kid that is known to exist. Uh, it was sold in 2011 to uh, William Koch, the, uh, you know, the Koch brothers for 2.3 million. 
Oh, uh, but this one that was picked up at a flea market is reportedly worth $5 million. I think that's a pretty good <laughs> ROI. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> they well, nailed it. They nailed it. Let's hear some more incredible flipping stories because our guests are here, everyone. So please OMG. welcome professional flippers, Rob and Melissa Stevenson. Welcome. Ah, thank you guys for having us. Thank you. We're Thanks for being so here from your van. <laughs> from our road trip. <laughs> We're excited to be here. This is so great. Um, it, I can't say that we've ever had a guest podcast like from the road before. So <laughs> um, this is a first. Uh, so yeah, we just, we want to take it back and Obviously, some of this is in the coverage of you. If if you go to your blog, fleamarketflipper.com, you can read a little bit about this. But for our listeners now who are not familiar with you, how did you both get into all this? Uh, yeah, I kind of grew up. I grew up in a big family. So I have six older sisters. I'm the youngest and only boy. But having a big family, my parents, uh, they would buy stuff uh, as we were growing up and they would buy stuff from yard sales and then sell it um, on the classifieds, uh, Orlando classifieds, Orlando Sentinel. Um, And so my parents kind of modeled this lifestyle. This is not this wasn't their full time job. It was just kind of a side job of buying stuff from yard sales and then selling it in the classified and making some extra money. Um, So I got modeled that from a young age and then uh, kind of just grew into it as I got older. It seemed like a really cool um, profession to go into. And then, yeah, as of five years ago, we went into it full time to provide for our family of five um, by flipping. And I married into it. (laughs) (laughs) What was the turning point where you realized you could do this full time? Yeah, that's actually a crazy story that we, Melissa and I both were in profession. She was a uh, personal trainer uh, working for a gym and I actually was working for a home inspection company. Um, And this was right around the same time that our third child was, was due to be born. Uh, my, in my, my company that I was working for told me that they were cutting our health insurance. Um, and, and I had, I had already decided to quit personal training cause it was crazy at home with three kids that were three and under. So yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to stay home. And then, yeah. And then we decided, or then that happened. <laughs> so. so anyways, we looked back uh, and we flipped through our whole marriage, uh, but we never really thought it a viable profession. Um, until we started looking back and realizing, shoot, some of these, we used it for vacations is what we did. Anything, and any other fun money or yeah. bills that were due or anything extra. It was just always our extra money. And we never realized what the potential was until we looked back and we're like, all right, we have to do something else. What are we going to do to be able to make the same amount of money that we need to make uh, cutting both of our, our professions um, that we were in at the time? And this seemed like if we really poured some time um, and some effort into it, that we could do it. And praise the Lord, we did it. I mean, it, we just never looked back. It turned out awesome once we did it. How much you making? Um, well, the, the first year, well, when we were really, it was always a hobby and we weren't really keeping track that much. But when we were finally, you know, taking it seriously that when we were still doing it part time, we got, we were at 42,000 at part time, like it was at 10 to 15 hours a week. Yeah. And then the next year when we jumped in full time, still, you don't like to work full time hours, no. but we worked out a lot harder at it. Um, and there was two of us. So, and we were, we hit 130 K, yeah. um, 130,000 at, um, our first year full time. So, yep. Wow. And how did you hone your craft over time? Yeah, definitely the turning point for our business was when we decided to go into uh, flipping larger items. Um, I had bought a dining room set from a local auction. Um, I think it was like eight or 10 chairs with a table, with a buffet. Um, And I noticed we tried to sell it locally. I paid $350 for it. We tried to sell it local in the uh, local, you know, offer up Craigslist. Um, and we could not get a, a bite on it for the first, I think it was a month, month or two months, At uh, just yeah. trying to sell double our money, you know, going to 750 bucks. Um, that's what we were trying to get. We were taking a little bit less. Then I started looking on eBay at the items that were larger and people were offering shipping on them. They were really selling well. Um, so that's when I thought, you know what, I'm going to list this thing on eBay if it sells, I'm going to figure out how to ship it. Um, so I ended up listing it on eBay. In less than a month, we sold it for $2,200, uh, which was way more than we would have even... I mean, we are only hoping to get seven to seven fifty for it um, in our local, but it was a really good set. Wow. So we listed it for $25. And I think I ended up taking $22. And then the guy paid for shipping an extra four... It's either four or 500 bucks extra for shipping. And we were able to do it. And we made some great money on that. That was our turning point. That was like our aha moment of, Hey, if we sell some of these bigger items and we offer shipping, uh, we can really make some good money. And that, that's kind of been our business model, sell the bigger items um, and make some serious money at it. 
That's great. So is that margin typical of what you're mostly working with now in, in most items? Yes, our our normal, our average is um, to 10x our investment. So and we pretty wow. much do average that um, when we yeah. calculate it every year. So that way. OK, so they bought at that price point, <laughs> having never even seen it in person. Yes, yes, of course. But <laughs> it, it's good picture. So yeah. that's one of the big things about what we do. We we definitely want to under promise and over, over deliver. When you're selling online, the mm. people don't have the opportunity to see the items. You want to under promise and over deliver on your items. So you don't want people to be upset um, when they're getting an item and they're expecting it to be better than it was. So you right, definitely want to. If you're doing this full time, you want those good reviews. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to show scratches, you want to show scrapes, you want to tell people, please, this is a used item have, um, you know, you want them to have the right expectations when they get this item. So um, yeah, that's, that's all been amazing for our business as well to be able to under promise and over deliver on all the stuff that we're selling because most of the stuff we sell is used. But people know the brands too, and they know the brands they like, and they know what they're worth, and they know they hold their value. So that's typically where a huge selling point is too. We were all curious, are you refurbishing these things at all? Or sometimes it just kind of goes as is. Some of them we do, and a lot of them we don't. We just find them. The the thing about what we do, we find them in the local markets that can't, the, you, when you understand how the whole system works, local markets, when you're, we're using like OfferUp, Craigslist, uh, LetGo, uh, Facebook Marketplace, all these markets are limited to the local people. So you might, in a local market, say Orlando, we might hit when we list something on those local venues, we might hit anywhere from 40 to 60,000 people uh, that have the opportunity to see those. When you bring those to a, a, the item to a larger market like eBay, eBay has over 182 million registered users. It just throws it in front of a lot more people that might be looking for it to where you can make more money. Um, at that item that you're selling. So we're taking from the local market and then we're throwing it into a lot bigger market. Um, and that's how we're able to ask the prices that we're at. We're asking for these items. Great. This is great. So this, so I'm into it on a lot of levels, but also the internet really has helped blow this up then because you can reach so many more people. Right. Yes. Yes, for sure. And we don't, and we really I don't refurbish a lot of the stuff. I mean, I want to get into more furniture really? uh, redoing, but we don't sell a lot. Of, we do a little bit of furniture, but it's a lot of random stuff. We like equipment. You like, you like all the yeah. random yeah. stuff. But when you said, you, you said it's not much refurbishing. Uh, is there a significant amount of stuff that you're just buying cheap at a flea market and then selling for way more on the internet? Yes, all the time. I mean, that's what we love to do. Um, but if there's something that needs to be fixed, sometimes we'll find a great deal on something that might need something small. With the resources we have around us nowadays, I can buy something that might be broken that I don't know anything about. And then I can jump on YouTube and try to find a video on how to fix it. Um, and yeah, I mean, you just have so many resources around us with the, uh, uh, the online, the, 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 um, internet that you're able to look up stuff, find different forums, uh, that people are talking about stuff that's broken, um, that you're able to do that, which makes it amazing for what we do. Um, but sometimes we just buy items that, you know, they they don't have a big market in our local area. And then we bring it to the big market of eBay. Um, and that's how we were able to ask more money for it. The other thing is we don't, we don't ever ask. We're usually like what our asking prices are, are usually at 50% of retail. So we're getting these things for pennies on the dollar. And then we're able to actually um, sell it for usually 50% of retail. And people are still getting an amazing deal uh, on the items that we're selling. How much time do you spend at the post office per week? Are you on a first name basis with the post office workers? <laughs> that's one thing that's really cool about our business model is we are full-time resellers, but we're not selling thousands and thousands of items. Like last year, we sold $80,000 worth of items and it was 95 items, I think, or 85 items. So yeah. we're not shipping out every week because they're higher dollar higher profit items and they're big they take a little longer to ship but we ship a lot on pallets and stuff so but yeah. it's okay, not but still yeah. like when you were walking to the post office like is the cheers theme song playing <laughs> <laughs> you know? that's more when rob goes to the flea market everybody knows who okay. he is he, okay. he just, hey rob hey rob hey rob <laughs> and just a quick reference point for all the 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 zoomers listening uh google what cheers is it was yeah. a very popular sitcom from the 80s <laughs> that's great <laughs> 
<laughs> they probably don't know. They know who Danny. Yeah, Be- no, I no, Danny Be- Be- love the Zoomers. I'm so into the Zoomers, but that's another talk for another time. No, they no. will save us all. Okay. So, so what, <laughs> what are the flips that you're most proud of? Tell us some of your big success stories. I think the Harley sign was a cool one. Yeah, the Harley sign we did a year and a half ago. Uh, we bought a Harley sign from one of my contacts. We paid. Was that two fifty for that one? Mm-hmm. Paid two hundred fifty dollars for it. We sold it in less than a month for seventy five hundred dollars. Um, wow. And then I built a pallet and we shipped it, which was amazing. It was the biggest crate you built. It was. <laughs> and we're talking big. You're talking like eight. This is bigger than a car. Um, it's oh. it was eight foot tall. I think it was ten or twelve foot long and four foot wide. So huge, huge crate that I built and then we shipped this thing. So yeah, that was definitely a unique, a fun one that we did. Um, Another one that, you know, we were known for is a prosthetic leg, a knee joint. I picked up at the flea market for, what did I pay, $35 or $30 for it? $35, yeah. Yeah, $35 for it. We sold it in less than an hour on eBay once I got back in, uh, um, um, took some pictures of it for $1,000. So, yeah, those are some that stick out of our head. And I I can tell you the biggest one that we ever did, too, um, was a parking lot tower um, that we actually bought from a local auction. Paid five thousand dollars for it, which is usually over our comfort. Yeah, it's over our. Comfort I don't zone. like the big picks, but he he, <laughs> he proved Wait, me wrong. Wait, what do you yeah. mean a the parking this, lot tower? Okay, so <laughs> security in, tower. Exactly, security tower. So you get into this thing and it lifts you about five, uh, no, about twenty to twenty-five foot off of the ground, um, and then you can see over a whole parking lot, like a large parking lot. Um, you're able to have, it's like a perch pretty much, um, a, a bird eye view over the parking lot. So it's really like a security tower. So, but we paid $5,000 for that. We sold it in less than a month for $25,000. So that was our biggest, most profitable flip that we have flipped. You bought a tower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, did we also see that you've bought like some machinery? Like, was there a boom lift? Like, how do you even yes. find those things? Are those at the flea market? Or where do yeah. you get those things? Some of them are at the flea market. That was offer up, wasn't it? That one was offer up. We bought one from somebody who listed an off on offer up, and then we just took advantage of the local market um, that that was the price that he could get for it at the local market, and then we bought it and um, sold. You know, we bring it to a larger market. So. Um, yeah, I mean, th- we find these things. My favorite places to source are OfferUp, Facebook Marketplace, and the Flea Market. Those are the three main places that I get stuff from, yeah, that we love to shop. That's awesome. Well, yeah, we were curious um, to talk about just how the internet has allowed flippers to improve their work and connect with one another. So we know we have traditionally flea markets, but you just mentioned OfferUp. Obviously, Craigslist and eBay came along. What are some of the other platforms that changed the game along the way? Yeah, and they're still coming out. Yeah, every year they come out with new platforms. But the major ones that we use, OfferUp, LetGo. Uh, there was one called Wallpop um, that I think, I think they got bought out. I did. I think they got bought, bought by something. But those, uh, uh, like I said, OfferUp, LetGo, Facebook Marketplace, um, and there's Craigslist. Not, yeah, and we they, we don't sell on Poshmark and Mercari as much, but those are also very popular apps to sell on as well. We don't do clothes, so Poshmark isn't really our thing, but yeah. we, we are selling a little bit more on Mercari now. I have a super qu- quick question about, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a knowledge gap of like, you've described your highest margin items, which are amazing, but they're all over the map. So it's a prosthetic leg, it's this parking lot tower. So my question is like, you find something, and it's, it seems like a good deal, but how do you know it will sell, that there is a market for it somewhere else if you are not well-versed in that type of product? Is this just like some super quick, stealthy Googling? Is it intuition? Does that, fa- does that intuition fail you on occasion? Yeah, this is a great question, and I'm sure a lot of people want to know this as well. But the cool thing is, I'm not like the smartest guy out there. So It's not like I'm this genius that knows all this stuff. eBay has a resource and probably like 90% of what we sell is on eBay. Um, The rest of the the places come, we'll sell some stuff locally. Like I said, Facebook Facebook. Marketplace, um, that's the second to eBay. But eBay has a resource um, that you can go in and you can check completed listings. So when you find an item, when I'm at the flea market and I find something weird or odd that I don't know anything about, I jump onto eBay and I see what stuff is listed for right now at this current day. Um, and then I also have the capabilities of looking what sold for the last 30 days. Now, if I can find that item that had sold in the last 30 days, 
Um, and maybe even if I found the item that sold in the last 30 days and they didn't offer the, the seller didn't offer shipping, I get super excited because then I have a, hmm. it's kind of like if you take it to the real estate market, a house can only sell for what it comps out for sold houses. It's the same, the same process that we use. We look on eBay for items that had sold, not necessarily what people are asking for the items, but they have already sold. So you know, the market is bearing that, you know, it's bringing that price because somebody has paid that price for it. Um, so that's kind of where, I mean, that's our resources jump on eBay. If I can't find it on eBay, sometimes that's really good as well. I go on a Google and I find out what the item retails for. And then I have a good idea. Hey, if it retails for this and it's in really good condition, you know, if I say I can get 50% of this and I'm only paying pennies for what the retail is, then I'll buy it and take a chance on it. Even if it's, I can't find it on eBay in the completed listings. Totally. But the thing, my wife and I dabble in this too. And the thing that tends to trip us up or make us more conservative is when it's not a retail product, when it's not, when it's something that is more a handmade thing or a family heirloom or an antique that's not like, oh, I can find the listing for this exact serial number item on eBay or Amazon. It's more of a unique item. And so we do the, we do that similar process of like, what has this type of item sold for? But our knowledge gap, then we hit a wall where we're like, well, something similar has sold for a huge profit, but we don't know if there's something weird about this, like it's broken or it's a model that's the crappy version or whatever that we are, we don't know. And so we would be taking a risk on purchasing it. Like, d does that make sense? And, and yeah. how do you overcome that? We probably wouldn't take the risk if it was a large amount. Like if yeah. it was a couple dollars, you know, like we'll take risks five to $20, you yeah. know, but much mm -hmm. more than that, we don't really take a risk. Yeah. Right? Our comfort zone is $50 and under for investing. If I take a risk okay. like that, that, that tower I told you about the parking lot one, I did the research before I bought that. The retail on that was $130,000. <laughs> I knew for a fact I could get, I, and I only, I, I, I sold it pretty quick for that 25,000. I listed it for 30 and I took 5,000 off to sell it quick. I probably could have got even more than that because of what the retail was on it, but it was a lot of money dealing with. $5,000 was a lot to take out of my, of my bank account to, to deal with, to keep it out and hold it for a long time to sell it. Um, so that, yeah, that's kind of the thing. If you can't find an exact comp on it, you just want to make sure that it is a good product. Like, you know, it's built well. If you're dealing with wooden items, um, you can kind of tell stuff that is built well, that's manufactured really well versus the cheaper stuff. Something from, say, Ikea. Nothing against Ikea, but their their stuff is not built like really, really... It's shitty. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I was trying to be tactful, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's just you have to make sure that what you're investing in, it, it's got great bones if, if you're taking something that's more of an antique more that you can't find comps on it because it is, it's a little bit weirder item. Yeah. Um, that's definitely what you want to do. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of risk, but there's risk in everything, I suppose. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, we wanted to hear a little bit more about the larger community of flippers operating online. I mean, first of all, I love the name flippers. How did you figure out that there were lots of people doing what you're doing and where are they hanging out and are they sharing tips and tricks for flipping? Uh, we just would love to hear all about the larger community. We really started Flea Market Flipper. When we started about five years ago, yep. um, our community and our online presence. And we never really followed a lot of other flippers to begin with, honestly. Um, and we still don't, a ton, but we've been able to create a community that we have, I don't know, fallen in love with it. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're amazing. Um, but there's a, there's communities on YouTube and communities on Instagram. we we follow a lot on Instagram. Um, but yeah, reseller communities have definitely, um, there's a lot of us out there and everybody does so many different things. Like I love seeing, uh, the differences of niches. And I think that's another thing that was as far as finding what to buy. Like we always tell people to start with something you know, start in a smaller niche or, or niche or a hobby. Yeah, that what, way what are some you, of the niches? Um, I mean, like people like clothes, they love fashion, so they're into the okay, clothes, they're into, yeah. you know, brand name jeans or, or whatever. furniture. Yeah, yeah exactly. okay. Like they're into furniture. So just different areas. We have some people that love um, the, the electronics. Uh, one, we have one friend that does so, mostly shoes. And then, uh, so it's, a, if, and then once you kind of know 
what you're looking for, you see it before anybody else will even see it. Like you see that yeah. item, you know, in the dust underneath the pile, you see it sticking out. And it's what so, you enjoy. It's, yeah. it's something that you know a lot about because it's either a hobby, it's a profession or, you know, something that you're very versed in and you know a lot about it and you enjoy it. So that's why we, that's where we lead right. people to start out is stuff that you enjoy. I love how passionate you guys are about this. Side <laughs> also, um, so you, you started a community. Are you guys responsible for the work for making flippers happen? Like what? <laughs> I wish I could take credit yeah. for that. <laughs> no, I mean, we we just started our own small community. We, we weren't really a part. We didn't even really know a lot existed yeah. online until we kind of jumped into it ourselves. So yeah, um, five years ago, we five years ago is that's when we actually jumped into a full time um, and now our business is really split. We, we do flipping full time. Oh, well, I could say part time, but we also do, we teach other people. So we created a course to teach other people how to do what we do. Um, so mm-hmm. now that's what we do. Part time is teaching people and coaching people. And the other part time is actually flipping. Um, we are still out there buying stuff, shipping stuff. Uh, like Melissa said last year, that was, we sold, it was either 80 or 90 items total last year. Um, mm-hmm, amidst sure. our blog and, you know, coaching and all that other stuff that we do as well. I still like the image of you walking in, in my mind into the post off being like, Hey, Sam, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, no, I'm, um, so, okay. So what are the, like, uh, ba- what are the basics? What are the basics for someone starting and flipping sidebar? I'm not paying you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, kind of where we gave you, I mean, we want people to start cause people don't know that the, I think the biggest thing when people want to get started in it, they don't know how is trying to find those items that you're familiar with. If you're a carpenter, you're going to know carpentry tools. If you're a hairstylist, you're going to know chi. You're going to know all these top brand, uh, top brand, you know, scissors and stuff like that that you can try to hunt for to be able to re, you know, resell and flip. So whatever you sports, exactly equipment, any kind sports of memorabilia yeah. stuff that you're passionate about or that you like, that's the best place to start your flipping, your, you know, your flipping business. Um, and then once you do that, you just get out there and start searching, start looking on offer up, start looking on Facebook marketplace and find those items and then go in and do the research to see what they're worth on eBay, what they're selling for on eBay. And that's where you buy them locally and then throw them on eBay and resell them. So, and um, now, now a lot of our items are repeat items because we've sold them once yeah. in the past. Now we go and we look for certain things. We look for cooktops. We look for certain equipment that we see. So, Rob, what was the very first item that you flipped way back in the day? Um, I, I'm not sure if I remember the exact first, but when I was younger, um, we went to the Salva- no, yeah, Salvation Army auction. My mom actually found out about it. Our local Salvation Army in Orlando, um, they get so many donations that they would uh, have a warehouse out back that they couldn't house everything in their retail store. And they would auction stuff off five days a week. Um, And we started buying exercise equipment like uh, Nordic track ski machines. I remember I sold so many of these when I was like 16 years old. We would buy them for five, anywhere from five to $25. We'd throw them on eBay and we'd be able to sell them the most, ex- the one that I sold the most expensive was like $1,700. But on wow. normal occasions, the normal ones you could sell for $250 to $300 and we would all pay nothing for them. <laughs> you could sell them all day long for that price. Wow. Oh my gosh. And yeah. they still sell. They We're do. still se- selling Nordic mm. tracks. Wow. Ski machines. We should have to Peloton bikes. Yeah. 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 I think between <laughs> this and selling photos on my feet on Craigslist, I'm really set. <laughs> you can live on that. So, yeah. yeah, I'm excited. So we imagine that the pandemic, the resulting spike in unemployment has perhaps brought more people to the flipping community. Do you have you heard anything about that or, you know, anecdotally, maybe? Yeah, for sure. Their people are at home and they don't have they don't have work. And so they're looking for things to do. And it's is one of the it's one of the easiest, quickest ways to make money. Just you can go in your house. Most people have junk around their house. They can go in their garage, go under their bed, go in their closet, find stuff they haven't used, take a picture and sell it. So it really is a great way to make extra cash quickly. It is. And a lot, we've noticed a lot of people that have started during the whole pandemic. Not even that. The people that are sitting at home who were out of work for whatever reason, they're buying yeah, stuff so online. Yeah, stuff is selling. So quick all too. <laughs> sales have spiked as well on eBay and uh, on the local markets as well. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Way to capitalize. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a question from our Discord server from almost Shirley, who would like to know, where do you keep all of this stuff and how do you keep it organized? It has to be a significant portion of what you do. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question as well. When we started, um, actually, when I started after I moved out of my parents' house, I had a spare bedroom 
um, in the, uh, the duplex that I was living in. Uh, and that's where I started everything. I would do pictures in that room. I would store the stuff that I had for sale. Um, and that's then, when we were dating and I had no idea what we, I was yeah. getting into. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how yeah, it started. It was a spare bedroom. On, were you like, fuck, I'm dating a hoarder. Like <laughs> I tried to explain to my mom when we were dating, she didn't, she didn't get it. I didn't get it, but Hey, here yeah. we are now, 13, uh-huh. 14 years later. So, yeah. Doing it full time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the thing I, we, uh, even all of our students and stuff, we never tell people to go out and get a storage unit. Um, we tell people start where they're at. Don't go out and buy a truck. Don't get a trailer, um, doing all that kind of stuff. You start where you're at, you get good. And you, if you enjoy it, that's when slowly you progress. Now, right now we have a warehouse, uh, that just is, the last year Yeah, and we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. So. It, but we have like a 1500 square foot warehouse. We have shelves in it. We have all the stuff in it to keep it organized. Um, and we do have that now. And But even before that, I jumped into one storage unit. When I got to the point of needing a little bit more space, I jumped into one storage unit. So we ended up getting up to three storage units uh, before I said, all right, this doesn't make sense. Let's get it into one place. Let's let's rent a, uh, a warehouse. And that's what we've we've done now. So, But before we went full-time, we lived in a 575 square foot house yeah. for almost six years and we just had a shed in the back. So there was no storage in that house yeah. at, at all. So we just had a shed in the back and that's all. We just kept the stuff in there. So, so that's it's definitely doable. A garage, yes. a, a shed, that's all you need to get started. You you like literally cannot be a flipper in New York City because any storage space you have, you need to use it yourself. Yeah. So I don't, <laughs> I get that I don't know. Sure. The yeah. city would definitely be tough. Man. Get another reason to move away. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Jen is just like rocking the suburbs right now. I I quarantined in New Hampshire. I've been here since March. I'll be here through July. You've got so many rooms. I think you could, I could definitely see you and Adam getting into this for Honestly, I'm just like fantasizing about us flipping things. Like Jen likes to say she's going to try everything. And I'm like, no, you're fucking not. You would do this. You would do this. Adam would love it. Adam would definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We have one guy who's in... Um, our friend yeah Bo he does shoes and they don't take up a ton of space no he just has an extra closet of shoes but some of the shoes that he's flipped he's flipped them up to $600 is what he's made on these things because they're high end shoes it's insane but normally you know he'll make anywhere from $50 to $200 on flipping shoes on a per pair of shoes that he flips Um, but I mean they don't take up a lot of room at all they don't you can (laughs) start with anything clothing high end you know name brand clothes if you have a good resource that you can find a local thrift store who gets it quite a bit, I mean, you can get a couple of pairs of clothes. It'll bring you an extra thousand dollars a month just by getting into those clothes. And that's very, very small, you know, to be able to store and make some good money doing that. Wow. How much time do you spend on each listing on, on the listing of it? Oh, it's real. Since we have smartphones now, it's really quick. I mean, for me, once I have the pictures taken, yeah, once you have the pictures taken, it takes less than a minute to get it listed on eBay. So really, really quick. Once you have the pictures, um, you're going there and you, you just list away. Cause knowing me, I'd buy like a shit ton of crap and never get around to selling it. And then I'd be like, Fuck, you know, well, now that I'm thinking about my future flipping lifestyle with my boyfriend in New Hampshire, uh, I'm curious how much of the week are you working? Cause I know most of you made a comment earlier. You don't like to like work too many hours or like, yeah. what, what does that look like for you? That's the thing. I'm not a workaholic. I work as least as possible to, 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 <laughs> be able to pay for what we do and what we, what we have. So, um, I would like right now, I probably say my flipping business, maybe 20 hours a week, if that, maybe even less than that. Yeah, that's it's, sweet. It's I less spend way that, too so. much time working for a broke bitch. Like I just, uh, I'm not doing life right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, so. I think we've we've talked a lot about the selling and the listing. But I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of the time and labor is spent hunting, and you're not hunting online. You're hunting at thrift stores and yard sales and trying to find deals among uh, people who who don't necessarily like. The person at the yard sale who's selling at a cheap price doesn't realize they have something of value or they just want to get rid of it, right? Yeah, that's correct. But the cool thing about even where we're at digitally right now, I can sit in my lazy boy and source stuff on OfferUp, Facebook Marketplace, which those are my favorite places to do. Out and actually at the flea market, I spend maybe two hours a week at our local flea market. And that's really the only time that I'm spending out, you know, sourcing with 
um, you know, out in public. The rest of it, man. You love OfferUp and Facebook Marketplace. He'll sit there for 10, 15 minutes, probably twice a day. And exactly. go through the apps real quick and see what's there. Even, so. even on our road trip. <laughs> yeah, every, every city we, we stopped, stopped. I'm jumping into Facebook Marketplace and OfferUp, finding some cool stuff. Uh, that I because can it's actually local. buy because it, because that's not that's yes. not oh l- l- ship this to me that's yeah. like I'm in a geographic area and it's like you're in a you're it's like you're attending a, a an online yard sale at all times correct yes. Is that, yes. that's the okay. cool part is even when I'm back in Orlando I can't find the stuff that I'm finding in Texas in these little towns I can't find that stuff on the local venues because I'm back in Orlando so that's what's right. really really cool about this business is you can sit in your house and find some cool stuff. Um, and then you have to, you know, arrange for somebody to either, either deliver it to you or you go pick it up. And then that's when you take pictures and then you sell it on eBay or sell it on a different venue than you bought it from. And we did bring our trailer on our road trip so we can. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, <cool. Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's I, I'm half confused and half uh, not surprised by the <laughs> idea that like those people have Internet access too. so like to post an item that has value on Facebook Marketplace, like shouldn't they know to check eBay also and know that they're going to get 10x the price. They either don't care or don't know that, right? Yeah, this is a great point because some of the people, even once you go to the flea market, some of my vendors that I deal with on a weekly basis, they show me what this item is worth on eBay before they ask the money for it. Because they know you're selling it on eBay. They know (laughs) that I sell it on eBay, but they don't want to take the time that it takes to list it and then actually have to ship it out or they don't, want to create an account on eBay and have to deal with a PayPal account of receiving money. They just, it's the unknown of, Hmm. you know, the whole process that's, that's deterring people from actually making a lot more money than they actually make. And a lot of people don't want to ship it. That's a big part of it. Sure. Yeah. I'm way too lazy for shipping. I just want, (laughs) like, I want someone to show up at my house and take it from me and give me money. You (laughs) know what I mean? That's why I like Facebook marketplace and shit like that. How large do you estimate the flipping community is? I don't know if there's any way to estimate, but based on the Facebook groups and your own your own business, how large is the community? I think it's huge. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people are doing this um, to some extent or another. Um, I don't know how to put a number on it, I don't it, either, but yeah. I, yeah. there are a lot of flippers out there. Okay, okay. Like, in the U.S., <laughs> do you think it's like 1,000, 100,000? Oh. Like, how many? Oh, easily a yeah. hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely mm. say that. Okay, okay, more, more, probably <laughs> yeah. more. Yeah. yeah, I would say that. Okay, yeah, let's play you... closest without going over. I don't know what the number is. <laughs> Do you have so a like, number? No, I don't. Oh. Do you guys have a number? I was hoping you had a number. But I, I know. I'm just no. trying to get a, sc- a scale of it, and I don't know. Yeah. And I imagine quarantine's creating more every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wait. Well, the other thing about quarantine too is people are. That since you're stuck at home, you're actually going through stuff that you have in the house that you're not using, and you're either throwing it away, you're either donating it, um, just yeah. because you're trying to de- get that honeydew list done, or you're posting it on, you know, Facebook Marketplace offer up, and that's when we swoop in and get it. Did you just call it a honeydew list? <laughs> yeah, honeydew list. <laughs> I've never heard never of heard that. that. Are you married? <laughs> no, I'm not. That's why. Uh, <laughs> that just got so sad. Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a honeydew list. <laughs> 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 Ali, I'll give you a honeydew list. Yeah, uh, Jen, we can be each other's honeydews. For tasks now, you're you're telling me it's a honeydew. <laughs> anyway, it, enough about it. my sad single life. Let's get back to flipping. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think people are accidentally flipping in quarantine, like they have shit to get rid of. But um, yep. tell us about Flipper University. Yeah, for sure. We started when we went full time is when we decided to start getting into coaching. Um, so we actually designed a course to help people, kind of what we're talking with you guys through. It's just more in depth of you know what to do with this, what to do in this situation. Um, then we put a course together. Um, and we've, we've had over, what is it? Six or 700 people yeah. go through the course. Um, not only is it the course that we've given all the, we put all of our experience and knowledge into it. Um, we created our own community, a Facebook group. Everybody who goes to the course, um, is active in that Facebook community. So it's, it's a cool night or a, a tight knit community that people, you know, they ask questions of struggles they're going through, whether it's sourcing whether they sold something and somebody wanted a refund or whatever it is, it's a really close knit community 
um, that we can, you know, Melissa and I moderate and we have other people in there um, as well that we can, you know, interact with each other and just, I guess, celebrate and, you know, help people get through situations that they're going through on their flipping journey. I think we spend more time in that community, which is why we don't know how big the yeah, whole tough. community is. <laughs> 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 yeah. And as you're getting to know the people in your community, I imagine they're coming from all different places, all different professions or former professions. Is that right? Yep, for sure. Yeah, it's yep. all, all yeah. over the place. We have people outside of the U.S. that jump into the community. We just had a CPA and a nurse both quit their job in the last month or two and go full-time flipping yep. just recently, which was really cool to see. Oh, yeah. What are other success stories of people being like, you changed my life. Now I'm full-time flipping. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, we have tons of them. We we have people that not necessarily everybody goes full time. Yeah, and that was wasn't even really our whole point of this. We just wanted to help people make an extra income because we know what's mm-hmm. possible. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we have like all different. We have a lot of people who are retired or want to retire, and they don't have enough funds to yeah. do the stuff they wanted to do when they retired, and that's a big mm-hmm. part of our community too. So they wanted to go do do and travel and they're realizing they don't have the extra income to do it. And so flipping is kind of their extra income to go travel. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's nice. One of the, one of the cool things about flipper university is like you think about going to college and then you get out of college and you got to go find your career. What we have is the support group that we have with our, our community. That's, I mean, that's just really cool. We not only hear about all the success that people are having, that people are excited about, we get to join into that relationship with them. Um, but it's just, a, it, like I said, it's a cool community to be able to talk stuff out and do that kind of stuff with. Yeah. So as we wrap up today, uh, I guess, you know, you've covered so much, but for those of us who are just starting out, what are some, what are the key things you think we should take away with us from, uh, you know, for, for flipping? Definitely start with something that you enjoy, something that you know stuff about. Um, or just start selling your stuff at home, decluttering. Exactly. <laughs> Declutter the house to get your feet wet with the flipping profession, um, if you enjoy it, you start learning more about it, get better at it. Um, but it is, even when we teach people in Flipper University, we tell them to start decluttering your house first, learn the process of flipping, you know, listing items on eBay, um, selling them, shipping them, the whole feedback, all that stuff. Start with that um, and then slowly progress. If you do enjoy it, slowly progress and, you know, make it a side hustle. Start making some some extra money out and then even go into full-time flipping if it's what you enjoy and what you love. Um, that's what this profession to me, I'll I'll do this the rest of my life. I'll never really retire because I have so much fun at what I'll never stop doing this ever. (laughs) Yeah. Ever. I love it. I love it. So that's why I, I, you know, I tell people do what you love. If this is something that turns into something you love, do it. I mean, just keep getting better and better at it. it. It's just so much fun to me. And I know there's thousands and thousands of other people that feel the same way. They love finding bargains. They love going out there, hunting that bargain, um, and then flipping it and making that. There's a, there's like a high you get when you can (laughs) turn $30 into a thousand dollars. It's just so much fun to be able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. I want that high. All right. Well, you convinced me. (laughs) I want to chase that high while making some cash. That sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us, taking time away from your road trip to share this with us. Yes, Um, thank you. And have a great rest of your trip. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys. You guys rock. This was so much fun for us to do this. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I would buy anything from them. I can't believe, like, don't do that. People... Don't just buy anything, Chen. It's a terrible idea. This over the I would buy a parking lot tower from these people. I would. <laughs> what an investment! <laughs> yeah. A parking lot tower, Chen. I do think you and Adam would have like a weird amount of fun doing this. By the I, way, were you do... gonna make a? Oh no, you made a feeder for your squirrel. Is that right? Are you you no, guys are doing well, something. You named a squirrel. What you do? We have a chipmunk friend. He ate a, out of mm. my hand this weekend. That was really exciting. Oh, he did. But That's no, a yeah. big development. <laughs> big I can't update. believe you haven't no, told us that yet. It's just, it, I don't know. I, I just Do our listeners really want to hear about it? <laughs> I don't know. It's quarantine. Know. That's big news. They okay. need to know what Eric is doing, and we oh, demand right. to know. Eric, that's what it was. Yeah, the people he put need his to little know. paws up on my hand. I have a video. Oh, Maybe I will share it in the Discord. Cute. Potentially, oh God, let me think about the it. Video. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we have he Adam has gone on Craigslist and gotten us a few things while we're here that we know we're going to have to resell just because we're not staying, and so we like got a like what? a small a small air conditioning unit. Oh, okay. Um, 
to stick in the window. So, uh, you know, he already mentioned he thinks he could get more for it than we got it for. And <laughs> yeah, so we're a little bit in the process and it, it's fun. I could see why it's like exhilarating and makes you feel high. <laughs> All that shit, that chipmunk furniture, I think you exactly. can get a good price on. <laughs> but you guys have been having arts and crafts nights. So I feel like you could just buy some shit, art, arts and craft it. Although That's it right. turns out that... <laughs> Although it turns out you don't even need to. You just need to buy it locally and sell it to the broader internet. <laughs> that is a really good tip that I had not Ugh, thought of. But I don't want to go to the post office. <laughs> Make your own crates. Ship it from... No, I guess you still need... Can't you like print FedEx labels and just stick it in a box somewhere? I guess. Yes. Yeah. I'm too yeah, lazy for all to... of this shit. I'm mm. too mm-hmm. lazy. But... um. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you guys would crush it. And Adam makes candles. He could sell all his candles. <laughs> I feel like it's more That's of an Etsy more of an thing. Etsy. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to well, need Matt- more candles soon. And quarantine has just been burning straight through them. Place an order for me. <laughs> okay, I will do. Um, you're, Matt, you're going to have to pass some of these tips along to your wife and see how she could level up the, I don't know, get 10x for her, you know, purchase. No, it was so great to hear from Robin Melissa because all of their strategies align perfectly with everything that she has been doing. She's just very, her knowledge base is focused, extremely laser focused on certain types of housewares. And, you know, she gets the 10x, 20x profit, but it's, it's not that parking garage tower profit. It's, it's like $50 profit, you know, and it's, it's very good, but it's, it's not necessarily a living unless we both quit our jobs and, and opened a warehouse. You know what I mean? Can she build a parking tower out of the plates? At this point, yes. <laughs> also, Matt, you yeah. just need to put your kids to work. Child labor is super <laughs> yeah, underrated. underrated. You got two kids at home. They're not going to school. They're not going to camp. <laughs> to do what? Put them to work. Put them to put work. Put these delicate Crafting. bowls and glasses in a... Uh, excuse in me. A... Tiny hands are good for something, okay? There's got to be something <laughs> that they are needed for. Put them to work. I- I'm encouraged by Rob saying about, oh, just browse Facebook Marketplace because like... We used to go to thrift stores and my wife in particular would go to the local thrift stores on a weekly basis. She would come home with stuff all the time and we are not going right now because of uh, quarantine. So we have basically stopped entirely and you can't, there's, no in, there's no supply coming in because where are you going to get it from? And maybe my Facebook marketplace, but then you got to like drive to the person's house and you know, those people, Facebook marketplace are, are typically the, the sellers. They're also super flaky. You're like, I'm interested. And then they're like, don't write back or they fall off the face of the earth. Stuff like that. It's a pain. Yeah, I can imagine. How's your daughter's gum company coming along, Matt? Oh, yeah. Uh, still in early stages. Great. Uh, we're looking what for, was the for some, fun, some financing. What was the flavor? <laughs> well, she was just going to. So, so her she's strategy mash was them up. It was a mashup. Yes, mash buying, ups are hot. buying gum at retail price from CVS <laughs> and then mixing the gums together into uh-huh. new flavor and selling at a premium. Yeah, no, it's solid. She's she's a genius. Spirit. What she needs to be doing is buying uh, used gum at yeah. a discount and then flipping it as a nah, new flavor. That's not, the, that's, that's, the not the key. that's not Pressing good. Pressing it into sticks. That's not yeah. good parental <laughs> advice at all. Especially, especially during coronavirus. <laughs> it has a slightly but, chewed flavor. Yeah. Yes, now, here's yes. what you got to do. You got to buy old flavors in massive quantities. Buy in bulk. Mm-hmm. Mash them up. Send them out. Okay. Especially when the flavors are discontinued, then people right. will pay a premium yes, for like, oh, remember that cool flavor go. of candy juicy we used fruit. to get? Yeah, yeah, totally. Juicy fruit's probably still out there. As an adult, <laughs> I find gum to be sort of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah I used is. to be big on gum, but now, yeah, every time I do it, it feels like a special occasion. I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this to my teeth. You guys like, remember the like the like, foot long, the like roll of gum or something? It was a roll, and it was what was it called? Oh, you're thinking, uh, hmm. Well, not fruit, fruit by the, by the foot, foot was a fruit not that snack. One. There was tape. one. It was bubble like tape. a roll. Bubble tape. Was bubble tape. tape. It was yeah, bubble tape. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Boom. We did it All together. Right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Three millennials in a room. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we would room. love yeah. to hear from our audience things that they have flipped successfully, uh, things that they've bought that have been flipped that they've been thrilled with, anything to do with flipping. Is there anything you guys want to know, Matt and Allie? How much could I get for photos of my feet off on Craigslist? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Because, like, I've got feet. I've got a phone. It seems like a good one. <laughs> well, you know, I did, did I ask you this? Uh, do you, 
y'all have been on camera and y'all have been part of various projects and you are, you are visible, visible women in, in the world of the internet. Do you have an entry on Wikifeet? Oh, well, I am not going to look, to be honest. I would prefer <laughs> not to know. <laughs> I don't think my feet have ever like specifically been filmed in any form and I'm looking to change that. Yes. Mm. So... All right, guys. Well, we would love for you to be in touch with us. As always, you can tweet at me at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. I'm at Allie Gold, L-L-I-G-O-L-D. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text us. That phone number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6 And that's also in the show notes if you'd like to check out what that phone number is once again. Uh, join us also in our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P, where fans of the show, sometimes former guests, and us are mingling, talking, uh, submitting show questions, show ideas, please come. We'd love to see you there. Allie, if they would like to visit our Patreon and contribute, how do they do that? When you make that sweet, sweet profit from flipping, visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. Send a little our way because we're here in our homes watching the world crumble. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Any amount helps. I feel like that started strong and I don't know where it went, but it's okay. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Tamula and Allison Goldberg. Then listed in Facebook Marketplace's free curbside pickup section. I mean, produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. I am so fucking sick of looking at them.